When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right. Welcome to the latest edition of the Sports Media Watch podcast. As always, I'm John Lewis, joined by Drew Lerner. Don't forget to subscribe to the SMW podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcasts. All right. Let's just jump right in. NBA playoff ratings. The numbers for Warriors Lakers continue to impress. And over the weekend, 8.4 million viewers for game three, which was a 30 point Laker route on ABC, and then 7.5 million for game four, which was the thriller on TNT. Might be a little surprising, you know, fewer viewers for a thriller than for a blowout, but you're talking about 8.30 p.m. on over-the-air broadcast television versus 10 p.m. on cable, so it makes sense. Uh, but that 7.5 million for Monday's game, which the Lakers won to go up three games to one in the series, is the largest first or second round playoff audience in 11 years, surpassing the previous high set by game one. In fact, all four games of the series rank among the 10 most watched early round playoff games on any network that includes ABC since 2012. So the numbers are uh, basically conference final level numbers in the second round. In fact, this is the first uh, NBA playoff series outside of the finals where each of the first five games averaged at least 7 million viewers. The first series like that since the 2019 Western Conference Finals Warriors against Portland. Uh, and of course, that was a four game sweep. So uh, tremendous numbers for the NBA. The only thing that would have been better is if this had been a Western Conference final, because you do get, as the playoffs go along, bigger numbers. So these are tremendous numbers for the second round. And if you had this in a conference final, who knows how high the numbers would have gone. Uh, obviously, the league wants a long series. The Lakers are up three games to one. 3-1, as the Warriors can well attest, uh, is not an insurmountable lead. Uh, they've come back from 3-1, and they've blown a 3-1 lead. They did it in the same postseason. Denver overcame a 3-1 lead twice in the bubble in one postseason. It's it's not, you know, the end of the world that Golden State is down. In, and when you are down three games to one and have home court advantage, you're really just one road win away from getting it back even. So the Lakers are certainly, by no means, have the Lakers finished this off. Uh, and uh, if you're the NBA, you certainly want to, you certainly want it to go six games at least. If you're the Lakers, you want this thing over tomorrow night. There's no doubt. Uh, and and in fact, uh, you know, they had the 3-1 lead on Memphis and kind of airmailed game five and uh, then ran, den ran Memphis off the court in game six. I don't know if they're going to be able to run Golden State off the court in a game six the way they did to Memphis, although they did run them off the court in game three. So who knows? Uh, but uh, certainly if you're the NBA, you want more games. Uh, if you're the Lakers, you want this thing over. You don't care what the NBA or the networks want. Uh Drew, let's bring you in here and discuss uh, tremendous numbers for this series and 
What are the implications here if this ends in uh, sooner rather than later uh, for the NBA? Well, you know, I mean, from an NBA perspective, at least now, you know, every game, every additional game is an elimination game, right? And so there's some inherent intrigue in that. My my main takeaway, A, from, you know, this series has been incredible from a viewership perspective, right? You said all four games have ranked in the top 10 of early NBA playoff audiences in the last decade. That is, I mean, a testament to the star power that that's on these two teams. What stood out to me, John, is on Monday, game four, seven and a half million on TNT, more than any other cable early round cable game since 2019 Warriors Rockets round two. And that was a game six. So, of course, the later you get into the series, as you know, viewership goes up. If we're getting that for a game four when no eliminations on the line, um, I mean, that can only bode well for these next one, two, possibly three games in this series. I think in, t- in terms of early round series, this is going to probably smash um, any records if it goes to game seven. Well, of course. I mean, one, I would say just to just to clarify, it did outdraw that 2019 game six, technically. Remember, that's pre out of home. So all things being equal, that 2019 game probably did have more viewers. But uh, as far as Nielsen's records go, uh, it did outdraw that 2019 game. If you get a game six, I mean, you're maybe talking. I honestly would have expected last night's game to get nine million. I was surprised when it was seven point five million. In fact, my reaction was that's it. You know, I was shocked it was it was only 7.5. And it's a great number. But I my feeling was that that was going to be around 9 million, even just for last night. But maybe that's too much to ask for for a 10 o'clock start. Uh, 10 o'clock start for game five tonight, uh, following the Miami game. So I think you might have a ceiling on what a 10 o'clock game can do. Uh, the only two games that started at a reasonable time in this series were the two blowouts. Warriors by 27 in game two, nine o'clock start. And then we talked about the 30 point crowd on ABC Saturday. So uh, you get to game six, you know, maybe game five gets over 8 million game six. I mean, we all know the heat aren't going to be playing a game six at night. They're going to finish off the Knicks in game five. I'd be surprised if they didn't, but um, you know, if, if you get a nine o'clock start for game six Friday night, I mean, that's where you might get to nine, maybe even maybe even 10 million if it's a good game. I mean, I just think the level of intrigue is so high. And then, obviously, if you get to a game seven, I mean, if the Warriors against the Kings got 9.8 million, then the Warriors against, you know, the King, right? LeBron James, that's going to get uh, a finals level audience, I think, at least compared to the past few finals. So, uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, for the NBA, it's pretty golden. Everyone's got to stay healthy. Uh, none of this matters if you get to game seven and and you don't have one of the big stars. I mean, it'll still do well, but, you know, everyone's got to be healthy. The game's got to continue to be compelling. But I think the NBA is on a very good trajectory right now. And I, I mentioned to you what, what happens to the NBA if the series ends in five. But again, if you're a Laker fan, you could care less about what the NBA needs. You want You want this series over in five if you're a Laker fan. If that happens, what happens to the league well, they've got some pretty good consolation prizes. Uh, certainly Phoenix Denver hasn't caught on yet with the public, but the games are pretty decent. And, you know, that could easily go seven, probably will. And then Boston versus Philadelphia, that series should be over. 
uh, Boston is is better than the Sixers. They had no business losing two games, but it's the best of three. And so if you get to a game seven there, you know, if the Lakers Warriors doesn't go seven, ABC's next game up, assuming that the Western Conference finals would not start. So they would move up the Western Conference finals under a certain scenario. But let's assume that both Boston, Philly, and Phoenix, Denver go seven. ABC would get that Philadelphia-Boston game, right? And that, to me, that's not going to get what Lakers-Warriors would have gotten, but it'll get you probably a solid eight, maybe even nine million viewers if it's a good game. So it's not the end of the world if that series ends, Lakers-Warriors ends relatively quickly, because it's not, that is by far the biggest draw of the playoffs, but it's not the only strong draw of the playoffs. And ultimately, it's been a, a, a really strong postseason pretty much across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, the NBA kind of has a deep bench here, as you're alluding to, right? There really isn't a bad series. And, you know, the one on paper that we would say is kind of less intriguing than the rest is Denver and Phoenix. And and even that one now has some some intrigue with <laughs> all of the controversy surrounding the Suns owner, Matt Ishbia and, uh, and, and Jokic, right. Um, and I don't know if, you know, pettiness sells really, or if people are going to tune in because there is a little spat courtside in the last game, but I mean, certainly it's gotten a lot of play on social media and, and in yeah. traditional media as well on the, you know, the ESPN daily shows. So, you know, that, that has a, completely different storyline to to the rest of the series and i could see you know some of that pettiness translating to viewership yeah well i mean absolutely uh well you know what actually i'm gonna i'm gonna take the opposite opinion i don't think anyone yeah. cares about this this issue uh <laughs> thing it was a weird thing that happened during the game and i think there's been too much talk about it i was surprised that the dan patrick show was talking about it for a second straight day yeah, I mean, it kind of just blew over in my, in my view. So I don't think that'll move the needle. What'll move the needle is Booker and Durant and Jokic having their incredible offensive feats. I mean, and, and you know, look, there's a ceiling for that. It's a lower ceiling, certainly, than Lakers-Warriors, but it's also a lower ceiling than Sixers-Celtics. It doesn't matter how good the games are. You're still talking about Phoenix versus Denver. And you're still talking about Jokic and a star in Booker that isn't very mainstream yet. So, you know, that series has a lower ceiling, but even if that was the only one to go seven, I mean, you'd still take it if you're ABC. That's probably a solid 7 million viewers there. Uh, and again, if it's a really good game, it goes over time, you know, uh, you could get some pretty strong numbers. So again, I mean, worst case scenario, there's no game sevens at all. And you end up with the Lakers in the conference finals on Sunday, which is also a pretty good outcome for ABC. So, I mean, really... You know, the only bad outcome is any level of injury at all. Everyone's got to stay healthy. Uh, and uh, and obviously, a bad outcome would be, you know, blowouts becoming the norm. You don't want that. Yeah, I don't really see that happening in that Nuggets on the series. I mean, like you said, every game has been close. That game four was, was very compelling all the way through. So uh, hopefully that stays up. I I do have to, you know, just to get back to the Jokic thing real quick, it it does seem like the NBA media at large kind of has a tendency to latch on to these types of character stories almost more so than what's happening on the court. I mean, we had it earlier this year with Dylan Brooks. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go back probably every playoffs and and there's some sort of off the court or some sort of 
personality driven story rather than the games that are happening right or how, how the games are being played and i'm not saying that those tactical x's and o's conversations aren't happening they are but it seems that the driving force of some of these narratives are are kind of player centric or personality centric well i think when all is said and done you know the game's not enough right you know the games are great but the games aren't enough you can't sustain you know how many ever hours of insipid talking on espn's morning shows by just talking the x's and o's that's why tim legler is only on well, actually, Legler's on a lot now that I think about it. But, you know, I mean, he certainly isn't on as often as Stephen A. Smith. Uh, the reality of the matter is that, you know, I mean, this kind of stuff, these kind of controversies, you can debate them, you can have opinions, you can get fired up, you can get angry. It's the stuff of uh, sports TV, well, cable TV generally. Uh, it is what it is. You know, it's a huge, giant waste of time and energy. And you wake up in the morning and you hear just uh, a cacophony of people yelling and it gets you to noon, so I guess that's the point of it, right? Yeah. End of the day, though, just to wrap this up, put a bow on this topic, those stories do not move the needle viewership-wise for you. No, I mean, no. I think the on the court matters more than anything. I don't even think Dylan Brooks moved the needle all that much. I mean, I, I will admit there was probably a little bit extra, uh, a little bit of extra oomph for that game three that did pretty well uh, in that Grizzlies-Lakers series, but... You know, the basketball has to be the story, the basketball. And, you know, unless you're talking about something big like Shaq versus Kobe and Shaq feuding with Kobe for a whole offseason while Kobe doesn't say anything and Shaq just keeps saying the craziest nonsense in public and then tries to pretend it was all just for a publicity years after the fact, which we all know wasn't true. But anyway, I digress. Unless it's something like that, you know, then you're it just I, I i don't think it matters more than having good games i think the off the court stuff the the games can sell themselves if you you know if you've got a partner that's interested in selling them okay moving on the the other big rating story of the weekend was the kentucky derby down slightly i wouldn't say slightly it was down you know substantially from from last year uh we had 14.4 million on linear which was down from 15.8 on linear last year. You read anything into the Kentucky Derby's slight decline? No, not really. Some people were wondering if all the deaths at the Derby were a factor. I mean, I didn't even really hear about that until the Saturday. Um, I think it is what it is. You're asking a lot to get people to tune in to an event that's, you know, straight out of what My Fair Lady. What was it at my fair in my fair lady? The Ascot Gavot. Am I right about that? You never seen my fair lady? All right. Yeah, got, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that might have been before my time. Yeah. Well, anyway, the the point being, it, it's well, that's exactly the point. It is before your yeah. time, right? It's before a lot of people's time. It's kind of, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. It, it's one of those events that it's kind of hard to believe it does as well as it does, and it, it does tremendously well. Because it's so passe in, in, in certain ways. The idea, first of all, in this socially conscious era, everyone's tripping over themselves to be so socially conscious. I mean, how in the world are you getting nearly 15 million viewers for, you know, horses being run, you know? I, I won't, you know, I mean, it, I don't think the horses, I mean, I wouldn't say they don't enjoy it, but I suspect they wouldn't choose to do it. Right. Yeah. No, I I don't think they enjoy it. But right. You know. I mean, that's it, aside it, the point. 
Yeah, it seems a little odd that something like that can work in this era. I was actually supposed to go to the Derby. I got my press credential and uh, got my uh, uh, set up my my uh, my transportation, and uh, yeah, didn't work out. So you know, it was one of those deals where it just it was a confluence of different circumstances where like right the day before just enough stuff went slightly awry that it was like i can't do this this I, this sounds like more of a story than you're letting on uh, john no not really um i i just i couldn't find any good clothes yeah i wait you can't that's wait part of it you can't wait till the day before the derby to try to find good clothes right? you know yeah you gotta get fitted for those seersucker exactly. jackets yeah yeah, I waited until literally the day before. I was just going to go out and buy something. And I was like, you know, Johnny Weir is going to be there. I don't want to. Yeah, you, I, you, can't, you can't buy that outfit off the shelf. That's, yeah, exactly. That's custom made. Exactly. And uh, my transportation kind of changed at the last minute. You know, you're, you whenever you set up like a driver and then the day before they say, oh, we got you a new driver. I don't, I don't know. That's not good, right? That's never. No, that... you don't want that. Uh, so, but uh, anyway, I was supposed to go to the Derby and it didn't work out. And it's just one of those things where when I was watching it on TV, it's like, would I even have really enjoyed being there? Would I have been comfortable there? Would it have been just weird to kind of, you know, especially as a as a black man, you know? I mean, uh, I don't see too many too many of us at the Derby every year. I mean, would I have would I have had a good time? But I'm 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 going to try to go if I can get a credential again, assuming that uh, you know I can. Uh, I'm going to try to go for the 150th next year. We'll see, but. It's just one of those events that just there's something about it that's just slightly off in, in, in terms of it just doesn't seem completely right. I enjoy it, though. I watch it every year. I just I don't know why. Yeah, you know, there's something to be said about the pageantry and, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what, people are comparing it to the coronation. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of that actually today. I woke up bright and early Saturday morning uh, and watched reruns of Golden Girls and Hallmark Channel, and I didn't watch a second of that coronation, right? Uh, I don't think you missed much. No, no, no. I, I watched, I watched uh, reruns of Golden Girls that were put into 40-minute TV windows, even though the show was like 20 minutes, but they could fit in ad after ad after ad, so I could watch 40-year-old jokes, jokes from 40 <laughs> years ago, surrounded by 20 minutes of ads. That's that's actually impressive in today's day and age that yeah. they can get people to sit through that. And um, still better than the coronation, I might add. You're probably right. I was actually uh, off the grid this weekend camping, so I I didn't get to watch any of the derby. Although usually I do every year, but I will say I was I was a bit surprised by by the derby number for for one reason, and and that's because you know sports gambling has become yeah. so widespread. Sure has in the in the past several years that i i would figure uh, an event like the kentucky derby where the whole freaking point of horse racing is is to bet on it i would assume that this type of event would see viewership growth but yeah. i guess not well i think we overstate the impact you know people have this idea because you know i i come from the perspective of i don't ever gamble and it's not like i'm morally opposed to it although i do find the overwhelming amount of gambling on you know, on uh, on TV to be a little abhorrent, given you have all these rich guys, you have, uh, you know, people with tremendous amounts of money trying to encourage people to, you know, put themselves into bad financial situations, right? Uh, but I'm not opposed to it. I just never got into it. I never, there was never a reason for me to tune in for a sporting event that wasn't just watching the sporting event. 
And so I come from it from that perspective. That's my kind of bias, right? And when people say, oh, well, you know, people only want to watch sports for the gambling. I'm like, I just don't buy it. I think people like sports. You know, I mean, I, I just don't think that it's, oh, oh, people just want to be able to to gamble on the result. I mean, that obviously has to be a factor with some of this, but I think people just enjoy watching sports. Now, of course, something like the Derby, gambling is actually a pretty easy explanation because like I said, it doesn't really make sense that it does so well. But then it was doing pretty well before gambling was legal anyway. Now, of course, a lot of people were probably gambling illegally, right? But it was doing pretty well before gambling was was legalized. So I don't know. It's an interesting it's an interesting question. From what I've read, the typical gambling apps did not allow people to bet on the derby. So, you know, I don't know that that explains it. No, that, that that's correct. Where the the standard platforms did not have it directly on there. Some of them have separate apps that you can download to just for horse racing. I think the regulations around horse racing are a little bit different. Maybe it is overstated a little bit that um, people are kind of just there watching for the pageantry, watching for, you know, what hats and celebrities they're going to see and and they're going to watch for whatever that song they play before the Derby right. every year. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, there's something to uh, it, it's kind of like a comfort food almost. Yeah. Right. Um, where it, it kind of signals, you know, summertime, National springtime. Tradition too. Right. It's tied yeah. to that, yeah, that time yeah. of year. It, it, it really is. And, um, you know, so maybe that's why, because you don't really get the same numbers for the other two triple crown races. Not, well, when you had triple crown possibility, the Belmont would do unbelievably well when there was a shot at the triple crown. Yeah, then before before crown. American Fair. Exactly. Yeah. Then it was won and people lost interest. Yeah. I think that is a good place to leave uh, that, that topic. Uh, I will say as a little bit of a segue into, into one of our next topics, and I, I don't know who would watch the USFL if it weren't for gambling. Yeah. Um, but we have some interesting USFL numbers this weekend, in a large part due to the Kentucky Derby. Um, so the Kentucky Derby led directly into Memphis and Michigan in the USFL on NBC Saturday evening. Got over 2 million viewers, by far the largest audience of the year, largest audience since week one of last year, I believe. Shows the powers of lead-ins, right, right yeah. John? Yeah. Well, I mean, people just leave their TV on, you know, I mean, let's just say you're not an NBA fan. The Derby's over. You got nothing else to do. Yeah, just leave your TV on and watch live sports. Right. I mean, that that's uh, so much of you know, all of this stuff. We act like it's, you know, this, this intricate strategy, right? Reality of the matter is, you know, a lot of the times people just leave their TV on, you know, they just say, Hey, whatever. I mean, that's, how a lot of this works people just are too lazy to get the remote or they might just you know fall asleep well i, I don't know I, nielsen probably has a way to 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 account for that but i mean uh, i think as far as usfl goes hey it was a great sampling will those people come back they didn't come back the very next day right nbc had uh, 828,000 for uh new orleans new jersey the next day uh and that's not any different than it was in previous weeks. And that's with the XFL off. So, you know, I mean, that window, if NBC keeps the Derby, and uh, I don't remember who let me know about this on Twitter, but somebody did, and I apologize for not remembering, uh, that NBC's Derby contract expires after 2025. Uh, 
So, because uh, I was thinking when NBC, presumably, if NBC gets the NBA back, they could just put the NBA in that window. They could get the NBA back and not have the Derby. Wouldn't it be fun if uh, ESPN and NBC basically swapped the Derby and the NBA or something along those lines? Although it would obviously it'd be Fox to get the Derby. Uh, that, uh, you know, but uh, look, the USFL, I mean, when all is said and done, these spring football leagues, like I said last week, they are what they are. They're going to draw how they're going to draw. And I think the interest level going forward has to kind of reflect that. Uh, we can't dissect USFL and XFL ratings and viewership every week like we do with the other leagues. Because, I mean, at that point, why not do that for the Pro Bowl riding tour, which generally will get you over a million viewers while spring football the last couple of weeks has not been able to. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me at this point, the story with spring football is really if there's going to be one league that folds yeah. or, you know, who, it's kind of a war of attrition, right? Who's, yeah. who's going to give up first or who's going to buy the other league first. Right. Um, I mean, who's going to get the naming rights. Right. I think at this point there, there's no bottom in sports TV. There's no place. There's no failure point where you have to go. There just isn't. And you, I think the USFL and XFL can both continue to survive even at a lower point, at least in terms of viewership than they are now. Well, let's move on to one of the more interesting viewership stories of the weekend with Formula One and the Miami Grand Prix. This is kind of the, I don't know if it's the flagship Formula right. One event in the United States now, but, um, you know, because I, I, I think that still belongs to, uh, to Austin. But um, this is probably the one with the most uh, glitz and glam, let's yeah. say, right? 1.6 million down from over 2 million last year, uh, but still a great number for Formula One. Why don't you put that number in a bit more context for us? Yeah, well, remember that 1.6 million includes pre-race. So without the pre-race included, it was 2 million down from 2.6 million last year. It's a great number for Formula One, the second largest live F1 audience ever on US TV, third largest, including tape delayed races. And uh, I think if you're ABC, you're, I mean, I don't know, because it's a nice number for Formula One, but they got 9.8 million for the NBA in that same window a week ago. And it is patently ridiculous to take the NBA out of its primary time slot in the middle of the playoffs to showcase a race that yes, did quite well for formula one and had fewer viewers than like any NBA playoff game on ABC ever would in that window. So um, Celtic Sixers and ESPN at 5 million, that game could have gotten six, maybe push 7 million. I mean, I don't want to, yeah, maybe that's stretching it, but I mean, that was an exciting overtime game, 5.1 million for an exciting overtime playoff game between Boston and Philadelphia. That's not a great number for that window because of what the potential would be uh, if it was on ABC. So I, I don't think that race can continue to occupy that real estate. Uh, you can put that on ESPN or you could put it on at night on the Saturday. I mean, uh, granted, ABC is an NBA window on the Saturday night too, but you, you got to figure out a different place to put that uh, because it's you can't bump the NBA from that time slot for, for this. Um, I do think it's a great number. I, I think ratings are not everything. Uh, and if it gets to the point where the drivers are like, why are we going to the United States and then back to Europe? You know, why, why do we go from Azerbaijan to Miami? And we're going to go from Miami to, I don't know where next, maybe Monaco. I don't know what the next race is. I mean, it's, 
ridiculous to do that. Uh, the glitz and glam will wear off. You're not going to get these celebrities. You know, will the celebrities still be there 10 years from now? Will it become like Monaco? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it is Miami. They're there anyway. But, um, you know, the fact that it's so much about the glitz and glamour and so little about the racing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a great showcase for F1. But I think it's not as indispensable as one might think based on the ratings. I, I do think that. Yeah. I mean, what stood out to me when I was looking at it was in a similar time slot, Fox Sports 1 yeah. had had their normal NASCAR race in Kansas. Not a particularly big race on the NASCAR calendar. And, uh, and that race outdrew ABC's audience for Formula 1, right? Um, with 2.35 million. Um, not to say that, not to put Formula One down in any way, but you know that kind of just goes to show that the audience for motorsports in the United States specifically still seems to favor NASCAR. Um, yeah. yeah, so that that was interesting to me. You did mention maybe putting it in a nighttime slot could be interesting. I know um, the the upcoming race in November in Las Vegas is actually going to be pretty late at night um yeah. 1 a.m eastern time 10 p.m um, pacific time uh in in nevada uh i'll be very interested to see if that does similar numbers with with the prime time uh i guess not so prime time but nighttime slot because that'll be the first race for for las vegas kind of a similar feel to miami you would you would think in las vegas uh very much a showy city yeah. Um, so it kind of fits with the Formula One model, but um, I think that'll be interesting to see later this year. Yeah, that's going to be wild. You know, uh, I don't know what kind of number they're going to get there. Um, you know, uh, that's probably going to have a college football lead in. I mean, not probably, definitely going to have one. Uh, might get a great number. I don't know. It'll be very odd. 1 a.m. start, but you can get good numbers at 1 a.m. But I mean, basically, that'll be like Australia. Australia is on at the same time, right? So I don't know. It might not be as big a draw as one might think, given that. But uh, F1 is trying to broaden out into this country. It's a great idea. It's just it's a crowded landscape. One of the reasons why F1 has so much success is that it's on in the morning. It doesn't have any competition. And, uh, you know, any race that's here is not going to be on in the morning. So that's kind of an issue. Uh, and, you know, one of the things with Miami, you can keep it on that Sunday. ABC never airs a doubleheader on that Sunday of the playoffs. Right. They always have for the middle Sunday of the second round, a Saturday night game and a Sunday afternoon game. That was the tradition. Put the F1 race on at like 11 a.m. or noon. You avoid the NBA competition and you have a direct lead in into the NBA game. But Well, it, I'm not sure ABC really actually has much sway in how sure. F1 schedules their races. Yeah, I, th yeah, I think Plus that's Miami probably... Saturday night. You don't want to show up Sunday at, at noon. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think if ABC had their had their dream scenario there, that they, they, they probably would do that. But um, yeah. they, they probably don't have that type of influence. Let me just quickly mention the NHL. I mean, the numbers are pretty nondescript, right? They're holding up respectively, given the number of teams that are out who are marquee teams. Um, there's really nothing to talk about with the NHL right now. The top game of the weekend was, uh, let me see here. Top game of the weekend was Toronto, Florida, game four. And that's pretty impressive, Toronto, Florida doing that well. But you're going to lose Toronto. And I'm pretty sure that viewership is because of Toronto and not Florida. I mean, I'm just assuming, even though Toronto doesn't count toward USGB ratings, I just don't think the Florida Panthers resonate nationally. 
Yeah, but, uh, if you're the NHL, you're just you're just hoping for game sevens now. <laughs> for the NHL, the most important thing going forward is close, exciting games and series, right? Florida winning isn't great, but Florida winning in a sweep is really bad. You want close, exciting series. That's the only way you're going to get really good numbers the rest of the way. And you know what? If they don't get good numbers, it's really not the end of the world. It's year two of a seven-year deal. So there you go. All right, John, I think that about does it for today. Why don't you close this out? Yeah, just wanted to make a quick mention of the uh, bizarre story with Glenn Kuyper and the Oakland A's. Uh, you know, uh, that's one of those where I'm, I'm pretty confident that that was a mistake because in general, uh, I don't assume like intense, deeply held racism among people unless I have a little bit of evidence from past activity. Uh, and it's very easy for me to see how someone would stumble over their words. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible stumble, but I do believe that there are accidents sometimes. And so I, I, uh, I just think it's one of the most bizarre circumstances that could happen, but I, I don't think Glenn Kuyper is, uh, and I don't know Glenn Kuyper. In fact, my only knowledge of Glenn Kuyper is, or excuse me, I just stumbled over my own words there. My only knowledge of Glenn Kuyper is as the play-by-play voice with Mike Kruko on MVP Baseball 2003, uh, the video game from decades ago. Uh, so I'm not vouching for him on a personal level. I'm just saying common sense dictates that, uh, you know, no one was going to purposely destroy their entire career and everything they worked for. Uh, I mean, even Tom Brenneman didn't think he was on the air. So I, I just don't just I just don't see it that way. And it reminded me of this story with Andrew Wiggins from several years ago. Wiggins had a conflict with Dennis Schroeder after a game, and he fumbled over his words a little bit. And the Associated Press decided that Andrew Wiggins had called Dennis Schroeder gay when. I listened to what Wiggins said. It sounded exactly like getting to me. Uh, in context, Wiggins was saying something to the effect of Dennis Schroeder was getting kind of, right? Uh, but the Associated Press reported it, like definitively said that Andrew Wiggins had referred to Dennis Schroeder as gay, which is a pretty heavy thing to lob at somebody. Uh, I think in general, even if it means sometimes we get it wrong, even if it means sometimes we are you know, naive, in general, when someone is stumbling over their words and it sounds really bad, we should probably assume that it was an accident, right? I mean, I guess I would say I would want the benefit of that doubt if something like that happened to me. And I think all of us would, because we're all only human. Uh, if it turns out that Glenn Kuyper is actually a humongous racist who was using his platform to be horrible, then uh, I guess I'll look dumb but I'd rather uh, not believe that since it, what a terrible world it would be if, if we believed that about everybody. But just wanted to say that because I think that story is just uh, truly bizarre. And you know what? When people want to be racist or otherwise horrible, they're usually pretty blatant about it. They don't need to sneak around. You can go ask yeah. Bob Huggins about that. That's exactly what I was going to bring up, John. Yeah, there's there's two clear, uh, clearly definitive examples currently ongoing in the media, and, and Bob Huggins is, is the other end of that spectrum. So, yeah, glad you brought that up. All right, so that pretty much covers it. Hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we'll be back with more, and don't forget to subscribe at all the various places you can get a podcast. For Drew, this is John saying see you next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.